Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you a little? Are you worried? You ridiculous morgoon. Hi, boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week 10 of the college football season. You know what, listeners? I heard you loud and clear. A lot of feedback after last week's show saying it was your favorite episode of the season. And given that it would, there's no chance that that was related to specifically who the guest was. So the clear takeaway is more guests. We want to hear less of you and more of other people. So we do have a guest coming up later in the show to talk about the newly released college football playoff rankings. Um, Other feedback I got this week uh, was from my mom, who said something along the lines of, it sounds like you prepared more this week, which, boy, is that not really a compliment in, in any way, shape, or form. But the joke's on her because, as anyone who listens to this show knows, there is no preparation that goes into what I do here. Um, that is just that is just not part of the process here at the Scoop and Score podcast. But let's get into the football where preparation was top of mind for Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans, knocking off Michigan 37-33. I don't know how many years are going to pass before we stop uh, citing the the stat, but that makes Michigan State 10 and four against the Wolverines since Mike Hart made the little brother comment. I'm looking at the box score in this one. This is a tough loss to swallow if you're Michigan. 552 yards of total offense. Cade McNamara put up some pretty good passing numbers. So the flip side was the running game is what kind of uh, left Michigan in this one. And when you're winning late in the third, fourth quarter, the running game is what salts games away. That's what, you know, the mark of these really good teams. Sure, college football right now is about big passing offenses, but truly the best teams can then, once they're in control, stay in control and end games with the running game. And, you know, that's something that Michigan's been able to do all year, was not able to do in this one, allowed Michigan State to get back into it. And if you give Kenneth Walker the third a window, He's going to take it. 23 carries, 197 yards, and five touchdowns. When it got down to crunch time late third, fourth quarter, it seemed like every touch might go the distance. I'd say he's firmly planted his flag in the Heisman race on top of that Heisman race. I hope nobody listened to my advice when I said just just bet on Bryce Young and Matt Corral because it'll be one of those two. Turns out I'm not very good at suggesting that you bet on two quarterbacks that are the two favorites because that just hasn't been a good strategy. Um, But I I don't think many of you listen to what I say here anyway, so I think we're fine. Um, One of my takeaways from this one, Mel Tucker just seems to have the mindset that is that is game for this rivalry. I don't know if he will still be the coach of Michigan State next season. Uh, Certainly his name has been tossed around with regards to the LSU opening. But if he is around, he's saying and doing all the right things that let you know that he is focused on the rivalry and getting Michigan State back to where it was not too long ago. Um, You know, 
Michigan absolutely could have won this game. And, and if they do, it's obviously a different conversation. But, you know, in looking at Mel Tucker and then looking at what Urban Day had at Ohio <laughs> Urban Meyer had at Ohio State and is now passed on to Ryan Day, it does just sort of seem like the, the Michigan State and Ohio State coaches over the time of Jim Harbaugh's uh, tenure at Michigan, they've just had the edge, whatever edge that is. And again, I, I totally recognize this was very close to going Michigan's way, and then this conversation doesn't happen. But it just seems like they don't downplay Mel Tucker and Ryan Day and Urban Meyer before him and, and Mark D'Antonio before before Mel Tucker. They just they don't downplay this rivalry. They talk about how important it is. They they talk about you know, they, they openly talk about sometimes the disrespect that they feel or wanting to go out and get the win. And Jim Harbaugh, it's just in his nature to kind of downplay everything and just, you know, not really say anything and, and, and let the on the field do the talking. Unfortunately, the on the field's just not backing it up right now. And you just have to wonder if, I'm not saying go in a different direction in terms of a new coach, but just go in a different direction in terms of how you carry yourself. Again, I just, I don't think that's in Jim Harbaugh's nature. But it might be something that's necessary to turn it around when you're consistently getting beat by your rivals. Just something to think about. That's all from that game. Auburn 31, Ole Miss 20. Um, Matt Crowell is not great in this one, so probably out of the Heisman race, which is which is part of what's buoying Kenneth Walker's candidacy there. Um, you know, this is an interesting situation of is is Auburn getting good? You know, just in time for that Iron Bowl, could we could we be looking at an interesting Auburn Alabama game on Thanksgiving weekend? If Bo Nix can kind of keep improving the way that he has been, I'd say yeah, maybe. Um, staying in the SEC, Georgia knocked off Florida thirty-four to seven. This game was three nothing with three minutes to go in the second quarter, and then all of a sudden it was twenty-four nothing halftime. Uh, there's a whole conversation about Dan Mullen to be had. I, I think he's going to survive the year, but probably enter next season on a very hot seat. Uh, and and I don't I don't know what's going on there because there's Florida needs to be better. They need to recruit better, and they need to perform better in key moments. He he keeps talking about winning the box score and and having these statistical advantages in losses. Doesn't doesn't cut it. Got to go out and find a way to win games. Dan Mullen not doing that right now and not doing himself any favors with some of his uh, with some of his post game press conferences or anything like that. Ohio State knocked off Penn State thirty three to twenty four. There was game pressure throughout in this one, um, and that's despite Ohio State winning the turnover battle three to one. So you'd think if they had a, a plus two advantage in turnovers. They should have won this game by by more than nine points, where it was really you know tied or or, or one score game pretty much the whole way. So definitely concern there for Ohio State. Also, just giving up twenty four points to Penn State against Power Five teams this year. Penn State scored twenty eight against Auburn, that was at home. Uh, twenty four against Indiana, and and hadn't hit twenty four other than that this season. So. One of one of Penn State's best offensive performances coming against this Ohio State defense. Definitely some concern going forward for the Buckeyes D, which has been maligned throughout the season. Some people, I guess, thought it had gotten better, and I'm just not sure that we are there yet. Um, also in the Big Ten, Wisconsin knocked off Iowa 27-7. 
Wisconsin maybe, maybe starting to get better. Um, they were a team that I certainly gave uh, a pretty hard time to earlier in the year. But uh, we, we are now at a point where Wisconsin and Minnesota are all of a sudden on a collision course in that Big Ten West race. So uh, pretty, pretty interesting development there. And, you know, is it just Wisconsin beating bad teams in the Big Ten West? Or are they actually getting better? Um, Badger fans certainly hoping it's the latter. Uh, I was out in South Bend this weekend for uh, the Notre Dame-North Carolina game. Notre Dame gets the win 44-34. to Just want to shout out the entire Martin family for their hospitality. Um, what a wonderful weekend that was. Um, a, a particularly good pre-Thanksgiving dinner on Friday night. Always a great tailgate. Um, you know, go, go into the stadium, you know, sitting with, with, with Tommy Vegas along with Bobby and Jake. Really just... Good guys to go into battle with every time you go into a football game. It feels like, you know, you got your little group and you're you're going to, you know, you're going to a metaphorical war together. And uh, and we came out with the win there. Final shout out to uh, the lady who was sitting in front of us, um, who turned around after the game, said we should be announcing the games. Um, to you, ma'am, thank you so much. That's, you know, that's that's what I'm trying to hear that you are the reason that I that I am talking into this computer right now. So good job by you, even if you did sort of confuse me by wearing what was a sparkly Carolina blue hat that you would see at like a New Year's Eve party. I don't know why you were wearing that hat, um, but uh, aside from that, nice job by you all around. In terms of what we saw in the game, you know, if, if you were just under a rock since August and then showed up for this game, you would have probably looked at these two teams as these are this is maybe a top ten matchup. Um, this is this is the UNC team that we expected to see coming into the season. I mean, they were just so incredibly sharp on offense. Sam Howell was incredible. This offensive line was much better than they've looked throughout most of the year. Thinking back to say that Virginia Tech game to open the season, where Howell had no time to throw and there was really no running room. The offensive line performed pretty nicely against a, a pretty decent Notre Dame front seven. Um, certainly Kyle Hamilton's absence was noticeable in the back end, but you know that that maybe turns one of the touchdown runs into say a 20-yard run and, and maybe it takes more plays for North Carolina to score. But again, not not taking anything away from the execution of North Carolina's offense. They were really good. Um, on, on the Notre Dame side of things, Kyron Williams, just an absolute hero. Um, I, I, I feel like I've said it just about every week that Notre Dame fans need to cherish this guy. He is incredible. I mean, for a running back to just put the team on his back the way he does, unbelievable stuff. Uh, that 91-yard touchdown run, one of one of my favorite football plays that I've ever seen in person. Um, truly amazing. And, you know, listen, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, sitting in seat 1A on the Lorenzo Styles hype train. Um, there, there are still some seats available, but, but, it's, but it's filling up fast. So you're going to want to Going to want to hop on board uh, because not slowing down anytime soon. This Notre Dame team, it's, it, it seems to be a team that's having fun, and they've slowly become fun to watch. And as long as they keep winning, that's, that's all we can ask for. So uh, just as we're getting fun, it's time to go play Navy. And, uh, and the, fun, the fun typically stops there. But uh, yeah, go Irish. Good job by them. Uh, in terms of the, uh, the, the undefeateds that we've been keeping an eye on, SMU lost to Houston. 
Uh, San Diego State lost to Fresno State. So that just leaves us with Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Wake Forest, and UTSA. And that's where we are coming out of Week 9, headed into the first college football playoff rankings of the year. For that, let's get to my conversation with this week's guest. All right, I'm now very happy to be joined by a guest, uh, a a multi-time guest, I guess, at this point, from the Dan Lebitard Show with Stu Gotts, Jessica Smetana. Thank you very much for joining the show. What's going on? Well, I just got done watching the college football playoff rankings, and I have a lot of feelings about what I just witnessed. I I think feelings are plentiful at this time, um, given just... I, why does the committee do what they do? Why do we keep showing up and watching every Tuesday and empowering them to do what they do? Before we get into things that are just going to probably make me angry, on a happier note, I, I didn't prepare you for this, but just an open forum to speak your heart about Kyron Williams. And oh. any, anything you want to say about Kyron Williams, he's someone that uh, I've been extolling his virtues on a weekly basis um, on this podcast. Just open floor go ahead i just love him so much he just seems like the happiest guy he's so good at football i think he's climbed up the notre dame power rankings of like favorite players faster than anyone i can ever remember this season because he got off to a slow start not his fault the o-line was pretty shaky at the beginning there but yeah i just that 91 yard run was just amazing something about uh Notre Dame players wearing number 23 lately has been a, uh, has been a pretty, you know, they just, something about that Jersey doesn't want to be tackled. Mm-hmm. And uh, without a doubt, uh, I, I always feel weird having favorite players that I'm older than, like it made sense when my favorite player yeah. played Maurice Stovall when right. I was like 13 or 14, but it, it is a little bit weird, but I, I have, I, I don't feel bad about it. Kyrie Williams, one of my all time, uh, favorite Notre Dame players. You know, college football in general is really weird when you think about it. Like the older you get, the more you have to like really watch the way that you're talking about it or else it can be a little weird. I know I way say. too much about juniors in high school. Right, <laughs> exactly. It, it's a whole, it, it is, it, the, yes, the more you think about it, the, the more upset you get with yourself. And uh, <laughs> like, like many things in this sport, maybe just best not to think about which brings us to, I would argue, the stupidest thing about <laughs> college football, and that is the fact that we start doing these ranking shows six weeks in advance or so. Um, we've, yeah. we, they, they tried to teach us the first year not to pay attention because the first year, Ohio State, you know, is six or whatever they are, and then they, they beat Wisconsin, who was like seven and five. And it's like, here you go, Ohio State, you're number four now. Go go to the playoff. But we keep showing up. I guess the first question, why do we watch the show? Why do we care about these rankings? You know what? That's a great question because I think it's just fun. Maybe not even fun because sometimes it's not fun. I would say most of the time it's not fun to argue Never about fun. the rankings. But like there's some weird satisfaction you get about like caring about something that like is kind of silly that matters a lot to a lot of people, but also isn't like life or death, I would say. Although, you know, obviously caveat that to some people, college football is life or death. Um, 
I don't know. It's just, it's just entertaining to me. Like I used to get really upset over the rankings. And then like a couple years ago, I think I kind of just like mentally disconnected myself from it. And now I just view it as like this amazing spectacle of this very stupid sport because like we all complained about the BCS when we had the BCS and now we all complain about this and whatever the next thing is, if it's eight teams, if it's 12 teams, if we go back to a computer, we're going to complain about that too. And like, that's just the facts of life in college football. There's no way to rank 140 teams that don't all play against each other head to head where you have injuries where you have weird suspensions where you have coaches getting fired in the middle of the season where you have weird like home and away game things and just all of this weirdness happens and like a fox is running on the field suddenly in texas it's just like the it's the weirdest sport and so a lot of, it makes a lot sense of things a really happening a lot of things happening way. in texas right we just Whoa. have a stupid way to like decide who's our who the champion is the, the Fox sense, running on the field really. of Texas um, among, you know, not, not the only uh, wild animal involved in Texas football right now. Um, but we don't, we don't need to, uh, you know, some, some listeners may, may understand where I'm going with that one, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But um, <laughs> you mentioned we don't, we don't want to go back to computer rankings. Looking at these rankings, I have a feeling that the committee is taking a lot of stock in some of the analytics that they are getting from, I don't, I don't know what source it is. I'm sure this information is probably out there, but there's a lot of talk about, you know, when I look at like Michigan at seven, um, nothing about their resume is necessarily better than Oklahoma or Wake Forest. You know, they, they went and won at Nebraska, which is, you know, arguably their best win, but the metrics love them in the sense that, you know, they, they've got really good, you know, defense, adjusted defensive numbers, um, their, their offense, you know, it's basically these, these advanced analytics that are being used are like relative to a team's average performance. And Michigan looks good in those numbers. I, again, I, I just picked Michigan because at number seven, ahead of two undefeated teams, they're the easiest team to pick. Sorry that it always seems like I'm picking on Michigan, but I just, I do have I a feeling for that. <laughs> the computers are definitely creeping back into the discussion so maybe we're moving away from eye test but we're still not really just getting to the most important thing which is winning and losing playing the games right it's also like this is very clearly a ranking of power five schools because you have undefeated teams that are in the group of five like utsa who aren't even ranked where you have a then you have like a three loss Mississippi State and a three loss Wisconsin that make it in the top 25 and like that's where this Michigan at number seven thing comes in because the fact that Wisconsin is ranked at all blows me away and so now it gives Michigan a boost on their resume which then boosts Michigan State's resume and it's almost like they reverse engineer it back from the four that they want to then like decide who has the best resume to gun to fill out the next you know whatever 21 spots to then make sure that the top four spots make the most sense. It, it becomes like this self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, they put Mississippi state at 17, which that allows them to, to put Alabama at two. But at the end of the year, when, when Mississippi state six and six, are we going to, are we going to revisit the totality of Alabama's resume? Or are we just going to say, Oh, well, they've been to this whole time and let's see what they've done since then. It just, <laughs> I'm exhausted. It's, it's very I'm exhausted silly. with the committee because there just doesn't seem to be a lot of rhyme or reason to anything they do. But I guess as Notre Dame fans, we don't have a gripe here, right? 
No, I actually, so I did a top 10 predictions of what the committee was going to do today on the Levitard show. And I have to pat myself on the back because I was pretty dang close. I had Notre Dame at 10, Wake Forest at nine. And then I think I had, um, yeah, let me, let me double check this. I think I had Michigan at eight and the committee had Oklahoma at eight, which was another thing that surprised me. So like, I almost have to give them a little bit of credit for putting Oklahoma below the top four because I thought they were just going to say oh well you're an eight no team and you're you've been in the playoff before here's your ticket but they didn't so like credit to them for that but then they put Michigan above and then left Cincinnati out which we can talk about Cincinnati also because I don't know about you I think it's kind of funny that they've they've gotten left out again like I, I have nothing against the University of Cincinnati and them being better makes Notre Dame look a lot better so I have more like skin in it if they're ranked higher but like it's kind of funny because this is just like yeah this is how it goes they they don't care about group of five teams they certainly don't control their own destiny um which is got to be a tough pill to swallow for for Cincinnati fans. You mentioned Oklahoma and you know you're you're praising the committee somewhat for dropping them to 8. I feel here's what the committee does and it seems like they do this every year. They just throw the fans like one bone yes. and say, "Oh, look, they're not just ranking the the Power yes, 5 teams." 100%. So, unfortunately for Oklahoma, they're the ones that that get thrown off the ship in this one. And then they it by doing that, by putting Oklahoma eight, it just allows the committee to do it. It allows them to put Alabama two. That's what it, it's. It's hey, here's Oklahoma at eight, which proves that we're not just going with the blue blood teams that have been in the playoff before. And while everyone's saying, oh, look, look, <laughs> look at Oklahoma at eight, they sneak Alabama into two. They drop Cincy to six. And this is just how they operate. That being said, I think Alabama in the top four makes a lot of sense. I think they're the team that I would least want to play other than Georgia. So that makes sense. Like on a neutral field, I would want to play Michigan State before Alabama uh, or Ohio State before Alabama, Oregon before Alabama. Like they have earned that. And I think that that's fine for them. But yeah, where where it's gets weird is like okay now Oklahoma might be undefeated but still not make it in the top four if you know the rest of these teams went out Sands obviously Georgia and Alabama will probably have to play each other so that gets a little confusing too well I guess that brings up the question and I I heard the guys on the on the reveal show pretty much say if Alabama loses to Georgia doesn't matter forget about there's no way they're in Looking at the rankings, are we a hundred percent sure that that an 11, uh, 11 and two Alabama that that loses in the SEC championship to Georgia? What if they lose by one point? Right. I just I'm not so sure that we're not going to get a two loss non SEC champion Alabama in the playoff. Yeah, and they're going to have to play Auburn to obviously finish out the season. So that's going to be another another ranked win. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's, uh, but then, okay, so let's let's like play this scenario, which probably won't happen. That's but the other thing. We need to the, we need to put the disclaimer of none of what we're talking wild about. Wild speculation. Yeah, none of this is going to matter in a week. These are going to look completely different. Something really stupid is going to happen this weekend, and it won't matter. Like Cincinnati is going to drop one to a team you've never even heard of. Like whoever, I don't even know who they're playing next weekend. Probably someone the AAC. AAC. But anyways. Um, let's say Wake Forest wins out. They win the ACC. So now you have an undefeated Power 5 conference champion. 
Oklahoma wins out. They win the Big 12. Georgia wins out. They win the uh, the Big 10. Or I'm sorry, the SEC. And then uh, Ohio State wins out, and they win the Big 10. So now you have four com- conference champions undefeated, except Ohio State, who will have one loss. So now you have Alabama with two losses. What do you do with Oregon if they went out and win the Pac-12? Because then they have the loss to Stanford, but they have a win over Ohio State, who's going to have one loss to them. Now you're in like a huge, like you have to leave Wake Forest out probably, but then how do you leave out an undefeated conference champion? I I guess their resume is not very good, but like they're an undefeated conference champion in in the Power Five. That seems like a little counterintuitive. In that specific scenario, and there there are at least a, a handful of Wake uh, of Wake grad listeners to this pod. Unfortunately, I think the decision is relatively easy. That that Wake gets booted, and we have the unthinkable of an undefeated Power Five champion left out of the playoff. I think, fortunately, fortunately, depending on perspectives, that weird thing that we're talking about could very well be Wake Forest losing this week at North Carolina because that that UNC team that I saw in person last weekend looked a lot like the UNC team that I was expecting to see for most of the year with that offense really clicking. Um, I, I haven't, I, I should have an idea of what that over under is and let's see if I can uh, pull it up quickly here, but they can't make that number high enough. I'm seeing seven <laughs> and I, that, that game is going into the nineties for sure. So Anyway, I mean, as we say, these things are going to work themselves out, or at least they're going to create new problems. I, they're not necessarily going to work themselves out, but there will be new problems. But I guess, is there anyone on this list that you think, I mean, we talked a little bit about Cincinnati. Is there anyone that has a big, I, I was all ready to just be screaming about Ohio State being ahead of Oregon, um, which the thing is that could still happen because the teams remaining on, on Ohio State schedule are better than the teams remaining on Oregon's schedule. But is there anyone that has a, a major gripe here? Mm, I think the more of the gripes go with the teams that didn't make it on the list at all. Because, like, having Minnesota, who dropped a game to Bowling Green, and their only win over a, a opponent with a winning record, I believe, is to Purdue. Having them at 20 is very confusing. Having Iowa at 22 also makes no sense. And then Wisconsin at 21. Like, the, the committee must just love Big Ten football because none of those teams to me scream top 20 top 25 in this ranking but like they are not willing to put a UTSA or you know another good group of five team up there I suppose other than I think Fresno State and and San Diego State so I would have a gripe if I were if I were UTSA but yeah the that stretch of three Big Ten West teams, I'm like seeing it, and I'm like, oh, that's just ugly. I'm, I'm with you on UTSA. I think uh, I think I had them at 15 or 16 on on my own uh, my own personal rankings. And again, just at this, actually, I had them all the way up at 13. Um, at this stage of the season, being undefeated, just I don't know, put them in the top 25. It's not that. Uh, now we would then be knocking out Pitt, which would be a real tragedy to lose. Well, uh, like, why is why is Pitt? ranked i look no disrespect to Pitt, but they lost to western michigan and then they lost to miami miami is a bad football team i know that they've had some unlucky games like the virginia game could have gone either way the other i think it was nc state that game could have gone either way i mean it was north it was north carolina that they've had they should have won both of those games but they didn't and then they lost to michigan state and alabama 
and somehow beat Pitt on some terrible officiating and just horrible luck on Pitt's part. But I just like Pitt, Agreed. what are you doing sneaking into the top 25? Like you're just, what are you doing? I feel like I'm channeling um, Dick Vitale a little bit every selection Sunday when he, when he just, why are we rewarding mediocrity when, you know, just let's, let's see the undefeated little guy just at least get a, get, get mentioned as opposed to, you know, a, a six and three pit, which, you know, sorry, I do, I do like this pit team. So instead I'll just pick on like Wisconsin or Minnesota. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess I'm, I'm just, you know, one, two, two teams that I think go, go together that I'm a little bit surprised or not surprised. I, I had them a little bit higher than everyone else. And that's Oklahoma state and Baylor just going through, you know, the, the big 12, certainly not strong, but, Baylor has a win against BYU, who's ranked. Um, Oklahoma State beat Boise State, albeit in a pretty questionable manner um, due to some officiating. But you look at teams like Kansas State, Texas, Iowa State, West Virginia. These teams, none of those that I just listed are ranked, but they're probably all in kind of that 30 to 45 range. So it just seems like there's this arbitrary cutoff point of 25 where you're getting no credit for being solid teams. And you are getting credit if you beat number 22, Iowa. What if we did, like, instead of one through 25, we did, like, one through four and then lumped everything else into, like, just, like, bubbles underneath. So, like, there's a bubble of five teams that are all kind of floating around between five and ten. And then there's another bubble that's, like, ten through fifteen. And then the rest is like 15 through 25 and they're all kind of floating around. Cause like, how can you possibly be like, oh, well, Iowa is definitely 21, but Wisconsin's definitely 22. Like that just feels very arbitrary to me. I, I like the blocking system when I'm going through and making my rankings, I rank things into in looking at wins, great, good, decent, and eh. And I think that maybe the great, good, decent, and eh ranking system could be something that, uh, that we see in the future. Here's a question for you. If Cincinnati beat Navy by three touchdowns and then won their game against Tulane by five touchdowns, do they get put in the top four or are, is the committee punishing them for not winning with style points down the stretch here? I think they would be six either way. Okay. Cause like there's a fair gripe if you're a Cincinnati fan that Oregon losing to Stanford being ranked over you and Oklahoma, who has beaten nobody, is ranked ahead of you. But you have a win over a top 10 team, allegedly, since Notre Dame is in the top 10. And you haven't lost any other games. You also didn't lose any games last year. So, like, what else do you have to do? I, you, are, you are preaching to the proverbial choir here. I'm, I'm with you. I, I used to, and I still kind of do, but I just at some point having UTSA at number six would kind of make people stop listening. Although I don't think many people are listening to what I'm saying anyway, but I am a big proponent of at this stage of the season undefeated is better than not undefeated. So I, I certainly, uh, I certainly feel the same way. If, if, an, if this undefeated Cincinnati team who after what they did last year, cause we always say in college football, it's like, you have to do it the year after you do it. Mm-hmm. You need to sort of prove it one year. And then with the eyes on you, you have to do it again. That's exactly what Cincinnati is doing. And if they get left out, it's 
it's just sort of a what are we doing here type of situation. I feel like that's just what the playoff ranking, the first playoff ranking specifically is. It's a what are we doing here situation. Like, do we need to do six weeks of playoff rankings? Could we do one? Could we do four? Like, I understand that it's to, like, set this precedent so we could see what the committee's thinking. And, I mean, it adds a ton of, like, hype and suspense. And I'm sure ESPN gets great ratings. And the discussion about it is probably great for them. And people argue about it. And we make podcasts about it. It's all part of the playoff industrial complex. But, like... None of this matters. This is all going to change. There has never been a year where the first first week's rankings have been the final week's rankings in terms of who the top four teams are in the playoff, which is great because that means we probably won't have to watch Georgia and Alabama in the playoff again. But, you know, statistically, we also may because I was going to say because I, it's I mean, Georgia and Alabama. I'm <laughs> concerned that we will, in fact, be seeing Georgia and Alabama <laughs> in the playoffs again. I just don't know that they'll be playing Michigan State and Oregon. I think you wrapped it up nicely in terms of we, we we're back to where we started. What are we doing here? But it is fun to yell about these things and uh, certainly more enjoyable to, to yell at least into a computer screen of a, of another person than just yell at uh, yell at my walls. Anything else on, uh, on the playoff or just uh, college football in general or anything in general, this, this podcast has, uh, has drifted out of the uh, college football realm from time to time. Well, I have to say, I think my Slack is going off and I'm not sure if you can hear it. So I'm going to mute that real quick. I, um, I can't, the, the person uh, next to me is just always playing like bass heavy. Music, <laughs> and I don't know if they're like actually playing, like physically playing the music or if they're just always bumping it really. But anyway, that's also going on behind me. So we, we have some competing <laughs> background noises. Um, I was going to say, uh, you know, as a, as a Notre Dame fans, uh, it's pretty remarkable that Notre Dame ended up in the top 10 in the first ranking because when the way the season started, I think people thought that Notre Dame was going to fall off of a cliff. Um, so that's great, actually. Notre Dame, I think, is tied with Georgia for most – or, like, it's, like, in the top four for most consecutive weeks ranked in the college football playoff with, like, 24 weeks or something like that. So that's – I mean, if you're tied for Georgia in anything right now, I feel like that's probably pretty good. So, I, you know what? I'll take it. As long as Notre Dame wins out, which they may not. I know on ESPN they were like, ah, well, Virginia, the Virginia game is going to be – and I'm like, yeah – but we Notre Dame should win the rest of their games. It would be kind of a tragedy if they lost to any of them. That being said, um, hopefully they do not lose to Navy this weekend, which is yes, <laughs> the trap game that we all fear, even though they're the, the three game. touchdown favorites. Yeah, but never, you know what? Being that. being a top ten team, uh, it doesn't feel so bad, especially after we thought after the Toledo game that Brian Kelly was going to get like tarmacked or something in, <laughs> at, a home game, at a home game at a home game he was gonna get fired and replaced with jason candle <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah he's just gonna cross the sideline yeah i've been <laughs> saying every every game this season uh is is a circus but i've at least had the i've had fun calling this or just like yeah it's a rebuilding year as we kind of quietly make our way to like 11 and 1 i'm, I'm going to final final wedding of this very long stretch of weddings this weekend there will be a lot of Michigan fans at this mm -hmm. wedding and I just kind of look forward to downplaying the entire season just being like yeah you know this is this is a down year for us I'm not I'm not real worried about it you know we'll we'll see where we end up things like that and just rebuilding just here yeah also Penn State's not ranked so that's my last point I'm that I mean I get it but like if you're gonna put Iowa Wisconsin and Minnesota and not Penn State 
I just question. I think question. maybe, you know, I have to imagine that the committee was all, you know, at noon, not a lot going on. You watch a team go for two that many times and get it once. <laughs> it's, it's hard to hard to scrub that image from your brain. So, uh, well, that I, means that they they've been watching Wisconsin play at noon, too. And like, you can't so defend that. There's, there's no, just no defense for it. As what are we doing here? That is <laughs> exactly where we're on to it. Uh, thank you very much for for joining. It's uh, always, always a pleasure to chat. And uh, where can where can people hear your voice uh, more often? Uh, well, I'm on the Dan Lebitard show with Stu Gotts. We're on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, every day from, well, it's a podcast. So from whenever you start listening to whenever you stop listening, but we also stream it on YouTube at like nine. So, you know, every day, impressive every, yeah. stuff. Um, go Lots check it out. Very good. Thanks very much. <laughs> Bye. All right. Moving ahead now to week 10 we're at the point in the season we got we got matching on Tuesdays. We've got games on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. There's games. Everything other than Sunday and Monday, we have college football. I can't be here holding your hand every day of the week. As much as I want to, I can't do it. So you've got to be checking ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, maybe CBS Sports. That's an important channel that people don't check enough. But... Uh, We'll get started with with this week talking about Friday night, uh, just to mention BC hosting Virginia Tech. And the only reason I even mention that game is if any of you uh, played the the BC over seven wins on the season, that bet is on life support at this point, and this is a very important game for that. So uh, I'll mention that there. But then moving ahead to Saturday, interesting little slate here. I would say it's more front-loaded to the earlier part of the day. So at noon, uh, you've got Ohio State at Nebraska. Why am I even mentioning this? I just, I get the feeling, and and pardon pardon the, the phrase here, but could we see a bit of a dead cat bounce from, from Nebraska here? Does, does Scott Frost just give him one last fighting reason for Nebraska to keep him around? I could see this game, especially with, with Ohio State's recent inability to, to slow down the run, I could see Adrian Martinez maybe keeping things a little bit close here before inevitably giving it away. But uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, and watch, this will be like 58-7, to 7 and, and it'll be what was Steven talking about and, and what even is a dead cat bounce. Um, but, uh, but, but I don't know. I, just, I got a little feeling that Adrian Martinez gives, gives one last shot to, uh, to making some sort of positive memory out of his time at Nebraska. Uh, bigger game at noon, I'd say, Wake at UNC. Uh, I, I said it earlier when talking about the Notre Dame-North Carolina game, but but this, this Tar Heels team looks pretty good. Um, was this a long-term fix, or did they just come up, come out fired up coming out of their bye week? I don't know for sure. Um, I, I, I certainly saw a Sam Howell you know, playing quarterback that has a ton of pride, um, really tough kid. Hard to bring down. I mean, really doing it with his legs and his arm right now. Impressive stuff. I, I, I'm sorry. I hate to do it. I'm, I'm taking UNC in this one. But don't worry about it if you're a Wake Forest fan. I've picked against the Deeks before this season, and I've been wrong. So, uh, so, so no concerns there. Definitely don't expect a lot of stops. Uh, one of my picks this week, I, I am taking the over 76.5 in that one. 
I always think one of the cheapest things you can do as a college football better is just, oh, these two offenses are awesome. You know, yeah, whatever. I, they can't make the over high enough. Whatever it is, over. And while I realize that's pretty much exactly what I'm doing here, I just, why why would either of these teams score fewer than 40 in this one? Um, I, I, I see both teams getting into the 40s. Wouldn't be shocked. Wouldn't be shocked to see both teams get into the 50s in this one. So, uh Definitely riding the over at 76 and a half. I, I see this getting, you know, easily to, let's call it, let's call it 40, I mean, 87. I think this gets to 87 points. Let's go 45, 42 Tar Heels in that one. Also at noon, uh, Liberty at Ole Miss. This looked like it could have been a big one or at least kind of a, a keep an eye on it one preseason. And it still could be fun, but Liberty with two losses hasn't been quite as good as we expected. Uh, Malik Willis has been been good, but not quite the sensation that maybe would have vaulted him up to, to the top pick of the draft. That just hasn't really happened. I am a little bit concerned about Matt Corral's health, um, but, but this is a significant step up in competition for Liberty. I mean, they, they went into Syracuse and couldn't get the win there. And while the Orange have been a lot better than I expected, this is still, you know, going into an SEC uh, venue, playing against a, a team that, you know, offense can absolutely light it up. I'm a, Again, I mentioned a little nervous about Corral's health, but if he can be anything close to what he was for most of October, we're going we're gonna to lay the nine and a half here and go with Ole Miss. I think they should be able to win this game by two touchdowns. Uh, 3.30, Michigan State at Purdue. Boy, it would be very Michigan State-like to immediately turn around after beating Michigan and lose to Purdue. Um, but I, I watched Purdue's run defense firsthand against Notre Dame, and from what I saw there, Kenneth Walker III should just feast again. I'm going to say, even with the small spread, I think, I think Michigan State uh, goes to West Lafayette, avoids the letdown, and gets the win and, and proves that they're, you know, they're going to need to be taken seriously here as they prepare to play Penn State and Ohio State and, and have a real chance at, at continuing this run towards the playoff. Moving over to the Big 12, Oklahoma State at West Virginia. You know, looking at the rank, could, could Oklahoma State um, have an outside chance at the playoff? You, you know, some, some teams have to have to lose in front of them. But if they go uh, undefeated from here on out, they're a one-loss Big 12 champion. Some some decent wins on the schedule. You, they'd still have Oklahoma coming up. Um, could could certainly play a role. And even if not for them, this, this matters for Oklahoma themselves because Oklahoma is going to need as many good wins as possible uh, coming in at number eight in the first playoff ranking. So, so they certainly want Oklahoma State to win this one and just keep kind of the top of the Big 12 as strong as possible. Very similar situation with Baylor going to TCU. Uh, I don't expect this one to be as much of a test. Uh, Gary Patterson fired at TCU uh, midweek. Uh, there, I have heard that he actually then went back into the office to help the assistants prepare for this week's game, although he specifically declined to stay on as head coach for the rest of the season. So this isn't quite a Texas Tech level, you know, I think this team is in shambles situation. Uh, but I do think that Baylor is good enough to, to beat a down TCU team by a touchdown. So let's lay the six and a half with Baylor uh, on the road. So my, my three picks for the year, for the week, 
Wake, North Carolina over 76 and a half. Ole Miss minus nine and a half hosting Liberty and Baylor minus six and a half going to TCU. Also at 3.30, Notre Dame plays Navy. Uh, the offense should be fine in this one, but it also, it needs to be efficient because when you play Navy, you, a couple three and outs, all of a sudden you're not getting the ball more than three or four times in the first half, and then things get a little bit scary. Navy was really bad to start the season, but has clearly been improving throughout the year, so this isn't going to be quite the walkover uh, that I think some Notre Dame fans are hoping it will be. And keep in mind, Notre Dame had a really good thing going defensively versus Navy under first Mike Elko and then Clark Lee. This will be the first time uh, running new defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman's system against the triple option. Fortunately, he does have experience uh, from playing against Navy at Cincinnati, but still it's it's a new scheme to learn, so could be uh, could be some hiccups there. I don't expect this to be a particularly scary game in the fourth quarter, but I just I don't expect Navy to roll over and, and Notre Dame to, to win this one by three touchdowns either. So somewhere in the middle, um, never a fun game to watch in my opinion, but, but hopefully the Irish take care of business in that one. Uh, last one I'll mention at 3.30 is Auburn at Texas A&M. Um, this game has very little meaning, in my opinion, but I felt like I couldn't ignore uh, a ranked SEC matchup, so here is me talking about Auburn at Texas A&M. I've got nothing more to say about it. Uh, last one, I'll, I'll, I'll dive deep into Oregon at Washington at 7.30. Uh, you know, reason number one to talk about this one is I feel like every Oregon game at this point means something. They they need to win out to, to be in the playoff, and Every game seems losable, um, just because they they haven't been they haven't really gotten it going. Although they did bounce back last week with a really nice offensive performance, so see if they uh, can keep that rolling. But but definitely, until Oregon kind of strings together two three really good performances in a row, we're going to have to keep an eye on them uh, with with the potential that they could drop a game anywhere. And then the second reason, and if you're not uh, you're not online, as the kids say these days, you might not be aware, but there's been some elite level back and forth between these two programs and institutions of higher learning uh, to take it a step further. Um, Washington head coach Jimmy Lake, who I, I think this is his second season after taking over for Chris Peterson and hasn't been doing particularly well, he made some comments in, in a press conference talking about recruiting where he said, no, I mean, we don't really recruit against Oregon. We're, we're more focused on recruiting against, you know, really high academic institutions like Notre Dame, Stanford, and USC. That's what he said. Um, and obviously that didn't go over super well. So the Oregon president um, gets involved and he comes out with a statement saying, you know, he, he respects Washington as an academic institution. He has a good relationship and thinks very highly of their president. And he thinks very highly of their great former head football coach, Chris Peterson. That is just some elite level statement releasing right there. So I expect, you know, a lot of a lot of bad blood heading in this one. Uh, this is always a pretty decent rivalry, but now we've got some extra extra logs on the fire. Um, I don't know how often 
university presidents give mandates down to the head coach that, uh, hey, pour it on this team. But I have to imagine Oregon is going to try to pour it on Washington, and uh, it could be fun to watch happen. Last game I'll mention, 10-15, if you, if you need a late-night game to watch. We got undefeated UTSA at UTEP, uh, one of the harder games remaining on UTSA's schedule. You know here at the Scoop and Scores podcast, uh, we, we value going undefeated. So we're going to keep mentioning UTSA as long as they're unbeaten, and, uh, and, and we'll see if they can keep it rolling. That's it for the show. We got Lukey Brock's uh, wedding this weekend. We're looking forward to it. We're going we're gonna to give it all we got. We're going to get out there, and, uh, and let's go get a W. See you next week. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.